0: bullshit it's the no bs marketing show i'm dave mastovich ceo and founder of mass solutions the world's only no bullshit marketing firm turning the mic over to maria Marhevka, one of our content specialists who's actively involved on the no bs marketing platform she said she has some questions to ask so we're giving you the microphone maria
1: Yes. This month, uh, the month of November, is National Novel Writing Month. And if you're unfamiliar, the quick synopsis is that from November 1st through November 30th, um, it's an online challenge where people are challenged to write a 50,000-word manuscript in a month's time. So I thought, what better way than to talk about your book, um, Get Where You Want to Go, through marketing, selling, and storytelling, and kind of just walk us through your process and your experience. and. To basically just to start it off what was your writing process like would you you know allocate time every single day to write your book or would you find time or whenever you had time kind of sneak in some writing
0: it's a great question so my process for my book began very early in my career because i have been fortunate to do a lot of turnarounds or growth of new organizations and along the way, I would always say, that's gonna be a chapter in my book because really crazy stuff would happen during these turnarounds. Like the stories that I have told you, they're not even the ones that are uh, explicit. I could tell <laughs> you even more stories. So I would joke about that, and I had some mentors who would always say, but you are a really strong writer. Why don't you just write your book? I began to start thinking about writing the book, started researching it, and did what I do with any kind of writing. My process is to write down on paper, actually actually pencil and paper, an outline of what I wanted to do. So I had these broad categories of what I wanted to cover. And then I started looking back because I started my blog relatively early from the blogging standpoint. There was the first wave of blogs when people didn't even know what the term meant. And that was probably around, say, 2000 to 2005. Well, then you started seeing blogs get a little bit more popular and used from a business standpoint. And that's when I jumped in was about 2005, 2006. I started realizing that I had written all these blogs, and as I looked at my outline of what I wanted to do, many of these blogs fell into one of the four or five categories. So I started thinking, maybe I can take some of the blogs, write some more, build some more. And then I made a decision. I had been coaching Alec and Brevin in both football and basketball from an early age, and I'm passionate about coaching and giving back and I really liked the planning stages of coaching and motivational and communicating with players. And I realized, well, I'm doing two sports. I should really do the one, even though I played football and and baseball and basketball, the one that I played collegially and had a lot of activity and beyond collegiate. And then also coached high school and and really coached my entire life was basketball. So I decided to one season decided to not coach football. And instead of, The time I would have spent, which averaged probably about 20 hours a week, I took most of that time, even when it would be the practice time. So when we practiced in six to eight, I would take that time and write. And I didn't do it every day, but I probably did it two, three days a week. And then I remember I would take my sons to basketball training in Swickley, uh, Swickley Academy, and this was on Saturdays. And there's a Starbucks there where I wrote a lot of my book because six straight Saturdays I dropped them off. For two or three hours And I would drive to that Starbucks and write For an hour and a half to two hours And I remember finishing the book In that Starbucks
1: Oh wow so that's, I mean, that's a good way of doing it because you took time that you otherwise yes. would have spent doing something else and just yes. filled the gap. With instead of getting yelled
0: at by moms
1: <laughs> who, who would
0: find ways to criticize every single coach because right. it's never their kid, yep. new exactly. mom, just just get prepared. She's going to be like that too. Uh, <laughs> I decided to take that time instead of getting bashed and go right. and turn into something Do, productive.
1: Yes, that's yes. very smart. And then, so did you feel like after writing that book, has your approach to writing, Since writing that book, has it changed? Can you tell, like, you know, maybe how you structure things or how you plan things like you're Mm -hmm. saying?
0: The biggest thing that I had to change was twofold. First, you have to get reps. And that's where the blog came in. I wrote a blog every other week from 2005 on, and I obsessed over it, which was not wise. Mm -hmm. But I would take and write these as if it were when I was coming up. So when I came up, I would read columnists in print papers and that's just how it was prior to the year 2000, really. It was, you read print publications. And so when something's in print, it seems more permanent. So anyone that came up reading and writing for print realized that they had a problem, because you you couldn't have a typo. If you had a typo, they would actually take your article and post it on the board and redline where your typo was. So when you walked past, it, you and all your peers saw where your typo was. Well, there's a lot less formality now. So the biggest thing I had to learn was I had to get the reps and realize that perfect is the enemy of good, which is a phrase I try to live. And a lot of the phrases that I use, that one isn't mine. That's someone else's. But I've used it for 15, 20 years. I use these because they're things that I've done to work on myself. And then I say, whoa, they've helped me. Why don't I have them help some others? So the first thing I had to do was get the reps. And then the second thing I had to do was realize that perfect is the enemy of good. And just churn it out more. So even like video, now that we've added video to our arsenal here, Mm -hmm. I'm not as comfortable with video. I've been on a microphone for radio since I was 16 years old. And I've written for media outlets since I was 16. I did some television from my teen in nearly 20 years, but not as much. So the reps of doing this, like you and I are on camera today, the reps of doing this is what helps. So the first thing you have to do is get the reps. And the second, I had to realize that perfect is the enemy of good and not worry about a typo, although I still won't allow a typo, but not worry about every single phrase being perfect and editing it to the exact level. It's better to get something 80% there and post it up there and move on.
1: Right. Don't get lost in the the minutia. Um, another thing, you know, how you said perfect is the enemy of good. Another thing that you always say and something that always sticks out to me is that words matter. So yes. that's an idea that you believe in and you talk about it frequently. Mm-hmm. How did that factor into writing your book?
0: Words matter so many ways. So for instance, the title of the book, I wanted to convey that it helps you to get where you want to go. And I know that phrase, I had an author, a book consultant say to me, ah, that's too pithy. And I said, you're probably right. But I legitimately believe that I can help you get where you want to go if you read my book. And I believe it's get where you want to go through marketing, selling and storytelling. So the words mattered on the title, the words mattered on the headlines of each blog. They were written in a certain certain way and they were written old school. They were written creative to make you think. And while that's gone by the wayside because of clickbait, Mm -hmm. I still believe strongly in that hook that really makes a person think it has a double meaning. So a lot of my words of titles in the book and titles on the blog were written in that style, that double meaning or catchy phrase or something which they're now taught not to do at all because of clickbait. Well, clickbait doesn't work. Right. You know, clickbait doesn't work. If you go and <laughs> get someone to, to, to click on something that you lied to get them there, they're just pissed. Yeah. So
1: Exactly.
0: I don't know that it'll ever get back to the way it used to be where you had such awesome creativity from writers from the fifties through the two thousands that use these catchy hooks. But that's where words matter. Then the third thing is standing for what you believe in matters and words matter. So I say things like ambiguity breeds mediocrity. And I believe that when we have problems at Mass Solutions, and when our clients have problems, and we have problems in our personal lives, it's often because we've been ambiguous about our goals and objectives. So ambiguity breeds mediocrity is one of my phrases. Um, It's the issue, not the instance. We've talked about on other podcasts, and Marcel, who's here today shooting the video, has talked about how when he first came aboard, he liked that. Words matter, so you need to make sure that they say what you believe.
1: Right. Absolutely, and obviously, writing a book in and of itself is difficult. Like we'll put that out there. Um, but how did you navigate around the the difficulties of writing this book?
0: The difficulties of writing the book are many. The first is, even though I set aside that time when I would have been coaching a team, you still flat out get uncomfortable with writing. And so there's so many times that the screen was empty. And then there's so many times, this is more frequent for me. Backspace, 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 (laughs) backspace, delete, delete, delete. So I went back to pen and paper a lot of times. So it was painful. Writing the book was painful. And the biggest lesson I would say to anyone that's thinking of writing a book is to build that outline, start building the rep, use your blog, and then do it. But understand this. My mom's my uh, hero, my rock that's taught me so much. And same with my dad. They're both amazing in different ways. And my mom has always been a huge supporter. But I tease her. I say, you didn't read every page, did you? (laughs) Well, if my mom didn't read every page, who did? Right. So here I am obsessing blood, sweat, and tears, not blood, but sweat and tears (laughs) into this book. And my mom probably didn't read every page. Maybe you did, mom. But so a lot of people didn't read every page. So you're thinking that this thing matters so much and you're worrying about every word when the reality is get it out there because here's how people read books. I read books. I'm a voracious reader. I say that a lot on the show. I read books from start to finish. It's rare that I leave a book halfway through and don't finish it. I used to have that problem pre-Kindle days. Pre-Kindle days, I'd have books all around the house and family members would go, what's this book from? They They were everywhere. Bathrooms, basements, everywhere. (laughs) So- the Kindle changed all that, so it enabled me to read faster. But that's a very tiny percentage of people that read like that. Right. It doesn't make them right or wrong. It makes them them. The vast majority of people don't read a book after college or after high school. The vast majority. Then, of that remaining, that get books. They often get a title that excites them. They scan it. They read a couple of quotes, a couple of anecdotes. And they're excited. They take something from it. They put it on the shelf. They got value from it. Nothing wrong with that. But they don't read the whole book. Mm-hmm. So here I was writing for that 1% that reads the whole book. And I would tell anybody out there, write it for yourself, but don't get hung up on that. That's what I will change when I do another one. And I will do another one or another two or another five. I just have had a lot of different focuses the last year since the book. The podcast was one of them. Now video is another one. Growing Our Team is another one. And also I'm very much still a dad. So... I will get back to writing more books. And when I do the next book, I am going to change that perspective of writing for that 1% that I subconsciously did when I shouldn't have.
1: Right. And then, like you're saying, you know, the actual writing of the book is one thing. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, But another aspect that might be overlooked is... The logistics of actually getting your book to the market, getting it into people's hands. So what are some tips that you picked up along the way from your experience?
0: Maria, the beautiful thing about book writing the last 10 years is this. Self-publishing is no longer frowned upon. I had a friend who uh, was a strategic partner and still is, and he sent his book thing to 25 different publishers Mm -hmm. and he got rejected by 25 so then he sent it again to another 15 he got rejected by 14 so his first book got published but he spent two years trying to get someone to publish it because his book came out in like 2006 right well that was when self-publishing was still frowned upon but by 2008 2010 2012 more of us just realized i just want to get the book i want to get it less expensive. I don't care if it's published by this national publishing house. We're not buying hardcover books much anymore. We're we're getting Kindle books. We're reading them on our iPad. So it doesn't matter as much unless it's that big-time book that becomes a movie right. that you need the, the machine behind it. So that's the thing that makes it easier is that you can now self-publish. That also gave me the flexibility to be one of the things that I work on is I get very fixated on doing things a certain way, and I almost get too much of a zealot. So I wanted to be able to pick the title. I wanted to have the design the way I wanted it to, and I had this theme. There was going to be a roadmap, and there was going to be signs that looked like you were on the highway, and all of that enabled me to do that. But there's a flip side to that. When you do that, you have to go get the ISBN number, and you have to go get the copyright thing and you have to go and make sure the manuscript fits a certain way and you have to work with the printer and get it all, you have a way to get self-published by the click of a a computer button. So there's a lot of that kind of back-end work. And what if I had to guess, 100 hours of my time, spread over a year doing that kind of work. Maybe it was 80, maybe it was 120, but I'm just ballparking it. And that is a lot of work. That's still probably easier now. You could probably do it in five hours now. You could just do a twenty-seven page ebook. Because I right. did do an ebook once. I surveyed our light reading co- uh, readers and said, "What are your top light reading columns?" and made that into an ebook. That didn't take a hundred hours. That took five. Right. So it just depends on what you're trying to do.
1: Absolutely. And like you're saying now, more than ever. If you can self-publish, then you can market it yourself because the power of social media. So that's another thing. So if you were to write another book, which you just kind of mentioned, that there's a lot of things that you could write a book about. um, But is there something that might be like kind of like a pie in the sky thing that you might want to write about? Or, you know, is, you know.
0: Well, before before we go into the the, what I'd write about, um, what I would do is I think I'm going to write more books Mm -hmm. and I'm going to write smaller ones. And those will be self-published, and we'll just give those away. So, like, for instance, The Issue, Not the Instance. That deserves probably to be a 36-page, 72-page little booklet. But when I write the bigger book, which is probably going to be around the power of storytelling in leadership, or it will be around the eight reasons companies become become bullshit marketers, that book, whichever of those two, that's more of a traditional bigger book, I'm going to hire a book consultant to do all the front-end and back-end stuff because – we thought we could handle the marketing of it. And the reality is I didn't write it to sell a lot of them. I wrote it because it was on my you know, on my bucket list. Right. And I thought it could add credibility to me as a CEO and as a speaker. So it mm-hmm. achieved its goals. But if I want to sell it at all, I want to go and hire a book consultant. So the two things I would do is hire a book consultant to help okay. me with the pre-planning and the post-marketing. And the second thing is I'll do multiple books. Like some of these phrases, like ambiguity breeds mediocrity, could become – a small book. And I think that's one of the things that I wasn't letting go. I was, wasn't realizing the perfect is enemy of good. I could probably do two or three of those type of books a year right. but then do the real big one and have someone pay someone to promote it.
1: Right. So I think that all of these tips they're helpful for people listening who are contemplating maybe writing a book or doing anything to, mm-hmm. to put their work out there. I mean this all of these tips I believe I think they apply to blog writing to anything yes. that is pushing your thoughts out to the public. So I think that this was valuable for all those people listening. So thank you for all the insight, Dave.
0: Thank you, as always, for when you come on the show and you help promote the show and you ask a lot of great questions, so thank you. And then, of course, thank you to all of our listeners to uh, the No BS Marketing Show, and we always close it the same way. Go ahead, go with the close.
1: Oh, Dave, I gotta shake the rust off. It's been a while. Well, you know
0: it's recorded. (laughs) Here in our studios in bold, bold, beautiful beautiful
1: downtown downtown Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Remember to ask yourself what's the big idea and build your story story around it. It's all about bold solutions, no BS.